Today, we're wandering into the wonderful world of declassified government documents. I'm Ed, as we've covered before. I'm currently joined here by the terrific Trent, and Josh is also here. Yep. Damn, I, was, I get terrific, and Josh gets only. And he's here. I'm, I'm more comfortable with that. <laughs> to be fair, like, that's exactly how it would be like. What, how, how would I even add alliteration to that? To, to, Judicious? Nah, nah. Well, judicious? Ju- what? That was very nihilistic of you. <laughs> uh, the joyous? That'd just straight be a lie. Um, I have no joy when Mariah Carey is playing every day when I'm at work. Oh, fucking God, please. Uh, is she the, um, which one specifically? I actually don't think I've heard her yet this year. You haven't? Oh. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I heard her. I don't think oh. I've heard her on the radio at work at all this year. And if I, if she has, I've just completely not noticed. Yeah, I think you blacked it out. I think this is the first year that's ever happened. <laughs> okay, mini rant, real quick. That song, "Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart." That song is bullshit. I am sick of this bitch coming up here every year like this year I'll give it to someone special. Then next year you hear her again. Last Christmas. What happened last Christmas? When you said you were gonna give it to someone special. Every fucking year I'm hearing this Are you expecting a follow-up song? (laughs) Every year she's coming up here like, here are my problems. I'm not your therapist. You said you'd give it to someone special this year. That's special. You have shit taste in that and that's what you got. The secret was she's a lonely cat lady. But it's okay, because I deliver her pizza. (laughs) I gave the fuck up. It just wasn't working. So screw it again. This year, to save me from tears, I'm buying a couple cats. (laughs) Hey, yo. If I wasn't allergic to cats, I'd buy a couple cats, too. I already have one old cat. I I want a new kitten, though. You want a new kitten? I want a Maine Coon. Have you ever seen one of those things? They're fucking huge. My homie had a Maine Coon and that shit. They're like the size of a dog. I I want them. (laughs) They're ridiculous, for real. (laughs) Okay. So, again, we're going into declassified government documents. That's what we agreed would be the general fucking gist of this one. It got everyone excited when we brought it up, like the idea... Uh, I think Trent started with, like, true crime, because there were, like, certain documents he wanted to go over. I'm like, let's broaden this a bit, and everyone immediately had something to latch on to. Um, so, I'm thinking we're starting on, especially since he started the idea, and I'm in the mood for some fucked up shit, we're starting on Trent here. Alright. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Alright, so, my declassified government document, um, I'm not sure if it's FBI or CIA, but either way, my news source is NBC's News. You can This is actually common knowledge now. You can look this up whenever you do feel like it. But I am talking about how the U.S. infected a lot of African Americans and some other minorities with syphilis throughout the, I believe, it's the 1940s through the 19. 19- 80s. Damn, 40 years. That's a long run. Yeah, honestly. That's a long run. Do you think that they were, like, just kind of dropping off, like, like they were kidnapping people, or were they, like, just kind of walking through and they're like, hey, like, impoverished community, we have drugs, 
that just happen to be laced with. Whatever like, it is, they... I'm sure it involves a lot of insinuation and or brainwashing. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering what the delivery they went for here was. Okay, so the news is, in the 1946 and 1948 study, American sciences infected prisoners and patients in a mental hospital in Guatemala with syphilis, apparently to test whether penicillin could prevent sexual transmitted diseases. The study came up with no useful information and was hidden for decades. Jesus. Okay, Mm. mental hospital. I guess that's a... So, yeah, that makes sense. That's how they got there. This is why I never want to go to a mental facility. Like, I debated it before. Like, oh, you know, freedom to act crazy. Go to a mental... I would rather go to prison. Because those places just drop as much medicine as they need to on you to make sure you stay quiet. And that's that half the time. Like, I've met so many people with horror stories of just being told, take this, and then they're dumbed out, and then God knows what they do with you when you black out. On God. Mm-hmm. And the thing about mental hospitals, we're going backwards, but it is my study. I do find interest in the study of lobotomy, and that took place in a lot of mental hospitals, and there are even cases of people who are still alive to this day who have um, succumbed to lobotomy and then ended up, you know, writing a book about it and still living and still being able to have functioning conversations to this day, which is amazing to me because if you know anything about lobotomy, it is the the procedure to put an ice pick through someone's skull through the front or front. I don't think this is the first time we've talked about. No, we've this. we talked about we've gone through the entire procedure before. Yes. Well, you did specifically, I but but uh, no, yeah, lobotomies are a thing where it has surprisingly a lot of people that have been through it, but also a majority of people that have gone through it have not met the other side very well. <laughs> no. but, but I will say. People that go through lobotomies, uh, if you make it through one, even if it's, like, the most minor thing, you're still changed for forever. Like Definitely. Definitely. You're still never the same as you were before. And the story I wanted to talk about, uh, the man who wrote a book about his lobotomy, was he was a child sent into the, the um, mental hospital at that time because his stepmother, and I quote-unquote, Thought he was a bad kid. Now, our senses of a bad kid probably thinks, you know, basic, started trouble, skipped school, all that. No, this poor man was labeled a bad kid because he would not brush his teeth when asked. And he made her uncomfortable. As a 12-year-old boy don't want to eat your vegetables to the asylum with you. No, dead ass. And it was told that the stepmother did that because obviously she wanted to be alone with the father, which is really fucked up because your stepchild ended up suffering from a lobotomy and thank God he's still alive. I'm sure you're not anymore, but goddamn, your parenting skills, not there. But also, like, it's your stepchild. (laughs) Like, really... You could be hands off with that and just let the dad take care of it if it's your stepchild. Like, obviously, do some some support when it's needed, but like, you don't have to parent the child. Dead <laughs> yeah, ass. Fight with the child right. for the parent, right? Like, the, the dick ain't that good. The dick is not that good. The not dick is child never that. Good. 
<laughs> if so, like, I'm straight. Like, if that good, I want some. Like, oh, man. If y'all got dick out there that is that good to send you child to get lobotomized. It sounds like it lobotomized her. Like, man. <laughs> I'm sure she suffered with tremendous trauma and PTSD after finding out what the mental hospital really did to people in the early 1950s and 1940s. Mm-hmm. She probably didn't even know lobotomies were a thing, and then she found out about it, and she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, but the thing is, they they did make lobotomies very public to the yeah, eye. There was commercials trying, about it. They were it was, trying to advertise and make it seem like it was the new wave. Yeah, Yeah. so it wasn't like lobotomies weren't known. It was just lobotomization clinic. It was just the fact that the lobotomies were always shown in a different light where you would get lobotomized and then you would end up being a rightful great citizen of the United States. Your mind would be in the right product and you will be more social or whatever the problem was that they thought was wrong with you. So you could be in the ideas that sees fit. See, I listened to an episode of Last Podcast on the Left where they talked about lobotomies, and one of the things that I thought was fucking crazy was, is the the doctor that came up with the procedure of the lobotomy, he did tours like around the U.S. just giving like lobotomies in front of live audiences. Like, Come on up to the stage, and you get one. That's literally you. what he did. He would be like, "All right, let's pick this person. Okay, you get to have a lobotomy today," and. Like, there was, I think, at least one or two places I remember that he just fucking killed someone live. <laughs> He's like, oh, don't worry about that. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Side effects may include death. Just the Oprah Winfrey of scrambling people's fucking brains. You get a lobotomy. You get a lobotomy. Everybody gets a lobotomy. <laughs> Who wants to be scarred for life physically and mentally? Yeah, it- Oh my god, okay, okay. Syphilis. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, back to the STD that still stands today, syphilis. Now, the, the one thing about syphilis is because this was an STD given to the civilization of Guatemala without their knowledge, or if they did have knowledge, it wasn't the full expectations of what they do. If they did, it was more of, yeah, we're giving you this, but this penicillin will work right away. Like, you won't even notice. So they just lied about a cure. Like, we're giving you this disease you don't know a whole lot about, but this thing that we don't even know if it works or not, it'll fix it. That was just an excuse. Like, they knew it wouldn't work, but they just kept it as the excuse after the fact. Probably. Like, once it got released to the public, they were like, well, we knew it wasn't working then, but we still lied about it. Let's just keep that lie up so that we don't look as bad to the people. Like, it's like, yeah, we already said it. We can't go back, even though it's not true. <laughs> and there are people to this day that still have syphilis in Guatemala because of these experiments that have done to their ancestors. And it's really fucked up. If you really think about it, that you could just pass a disease down a bloodline. And that's another thing, too. A lot of people know about syphilis is if it goes long enough unchecked, it fucks up your brain. Like, you, yeah. it, it gives you brain damage and you fucking, you'll die from it. Like, that's how bad syphilis is. Why, why did they even want to spread this in the first place? I get that they were, like, trying with the, with the pills or, like, the, the penicillin. It's, it, but at the same time, this seems very unnecessary, like, route to take. Oh, yeah, it was definitely unnecessary. And you, I think we all know why. And we just didn't speak the elephant in the room. They were trying to get word of Guatemala. 
And that's just how it has to be. They wanted to get rid of, you see, they wouldn't test this with your basic average American at that time. They would never do that. But they will test it to on people overseas. Yeah, they tested on people they thought were lower than them. And yeah. don't even get me started with the drug trade and how we actually funded not Nigeria. <laughs> no one's getting you started on that. <laughs> what do you mean? Fucking the government is the reason why the the fucking uh the what's it called the the riots happened in L.A. In yeah. The fucking. The 90s. And Rodney even, King. The Rodney King riots. With you. No, no, I'm just saying, like, there's that. The, the government is responsible for a while, like, I forget what the number, the percentage was. I'm not going to make it up. But they're responsible for a decent percentage of the drugs that are trafficked through minority neighborhoods. From everything to Watergate to the Tuskegee experiments. Like. <laughs> to 9-11. The government is responsible. Just slapping all this shit down. Like, I don't disagree with any of it, but I love how this started as one story, went on a long tangent about fucking Listen, lobotomies, and now we're all I'm gonna say around is, to 9-11. All I'm gonna say is, ask Flint, Michigan, how their water situation is going. Ooh. That's all I'm gonna say. Ooh. That's Ooh. it. Like, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> this is taking like eight turns. I love all of them, but God. And you know, I'm like so-so with Obama. But he is the reasons why these classified documents of syphilis is now commonly known. Now, they were already declassified before he came in office. But he made news reports and told his opinion about it and so forth. He didn't have to do that. So, even though you're over here bombing, bombing civilization over there in Iran and Iraq and, and, Syria. and Syria and... All the, the bombs that you put off through drones, probably more than majority of the presidents. I'm not even speaking for Trump because I try not to keep track of that nigga. But Obama, not you're, you're so so. Let's not get into politics in general. The yeah. point is, if, a, if you were a president, you did fucked up shit. It doesn't matter if you're oh, trying yeah. to be good or not. Even Abe Lincoln only flee the slaves because he would help them during the war. Mm-hmm. You needed more men. That's how you get them. Yeah. Give them their freedom. <laughs> no man in a position of power has ever said, let me just willingly give out this power. Like, it just doesn't happen. No, it don't. Not at all. They look at the impoverished. They don't think, oh, God, poor them. I should help them. They think, hmm, good thing I have all this power. If I start handing it out, I might end up like them. Like, Which, this leads all full circle to what Trent's talking about with the syphilis. Yeah. So go ahead and continue. <laughs> no, actually, I was pretty much done. That was, uh, there's a lot of more experience with experiments when it comes to the government doing testings on people in the United States and people that overseas. But that's another conversation for another day. All right. So, uh, here would you would you like to go next, or should I? Uh, what what would you? Okay. You know what? I can I can go. Alright, okay. I think I ended out last time, so I guess we'll just be doing that again. So, what I'm bringing for the declassified documents is there's a whole slew of shit when it comes to CIA declassifying things about UFOs and shit like that. Blah, blah, blah. 
this is a, I guess, a taste of what's to come for a future episode of mine, maybe, perhaps, if I decide to do it. Um, they've declassified things that involve things that you might have heard of, like something called the Majestic 12, or Project Blue Book. The, the Majestic 12 is like the, the 12 primary alien species, right? That's what a lot of people think because of the name, but it's actually not. The Majestic 12 is 12 people in different forms of the government that handle some of these cases. Oh, so it's like, it's so like the O5 Council from the SCP Foundation. I, the way that they explained it, when I, I listened to this uh, recently, uh, the Chaluminati podcast had made an episode about this. And I had listened to it recently, and they were talking about the Majestic 12. And basically, they're like, think of it as the Avengers, but just government workers. <laughs> and, that's, and that's basically what the Majestic 12 is. I mean, I thought you were cards, shit. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, the comic book, The Case of Releasing Syphilis. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen this issue yet. So first, we'll get into... I have an actual... There's a PDF of an actual document of things that were released. About specifically UFOs. So, the website is literally dni.gov. That's the website for this. Uh, The document's called Preliminary Assessment Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So, that's what we call them now, is UAPs. They're not UFOs anymore. They're UAPs. Okay. (laughs) Say less. Also, this came out June 25th of 2021. So, last year. Um, so, I'm only going to read a little bit of this, because there's nine pages of the document. It's very long. And, I guess, like, to sum it up, they talk about, like, what specifically they're looking for when you spot something that you think is a UAP or a UFO. Or, and then, if you find something that is a UFO or a UAP, it falls under one through five categories that are, I think it's four or five categories that are different. And it varies from like, oh, it's just a fucking... Uh, weather balloon. Weather balloon. Yeah, which Roswell was not a fucking weather balloon because that doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, because there are people out there that fucking believe it. I don't know how a weather balloon can cause that much fucking damage, but whatever. Point is, that's not it. But, yeah, so it's just anything from a weather balloon to, oh, this could be, like, unidentified tech from a different country to completely we don't know. Right. So, that's that. So, the the first technical page of this document says scope and assumptions. The preliminary report is provided by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. In response... Uh, in response to the provision in Senate Report 16, uh, 116 to 233, accompanying the intelligence authorization for fiscal year 2021, that the DNI, in consultation with the Secretary of Defense, is to submit an intelligence assessment of the threat posed by unidentified aerial phenomenon. Notice they said the threat posed by unidentified aerial phenomenon. Just want to highlight that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the progress the Department of Defense or the, the Department of Defense Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, so there's a task force for this too, <laughs> has made an understanding this threat. 
this feels like I'm listening to an SCP article reading. Which is done. crazy because it's an official I know. government document. <laughs> you see, you have the majestic 12 in charge <laughs> over this organization. And these are the documents regarding this phenomena. And, like, this is SCP. This is just SCP. Literally, it's... real. It literally sounds like an episode of The X-Files. It does. Yeah, honestly. This report provides an overview for policymakers of the, of the challenge associated with characterizing the potential threat posed by UAPs, while also providing a means to develop relevant uh, processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and other U.S. government personnel if and when they encounter UAPs, so as to enhance the intelligence official for ensuring, ensuring the timely collection and consolation or consolidation of data on UAPs. So, these dudes are just tracking everything. They're taking it completely serious now. Yeah. The data set described in this report is currently limited primarily to U.S. government reporting of incidents occurring from November 2004 to March 2021, which is a good, what, 16, 17 years? Yeah, and a very recent 17 years. Mm -hmm. Like, we are in 2022 recording this. Uh, End of 2022. Yeah. It is a ridiculously, like, close. That's a lot of shit to comb through. Yeah. Data continues to be collected and analyzed. Odie and I prepared this report for the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees, UAPTF, and the ODNI National Intelligence Manager for Aviation drafted this report with input from a whole bunch of different organizations. So you get the USD, DIA, FBI, NRO, NGA, NSA, Air Force, Army, Navy, Navy ONI, DARPA, FAA, NOAA, NGA, ODNI, NIM, Emerging and Disruptive Technology, ODNI National Counterintelligence and Security Center, and ODNI National Intelligence Council. There's a lot of fucking people involved with this. Damn. A lot. This came out last year, and people were hype about it, but then when the official document dropped, people lost their shit for about a day, and then they just kind of blew it over. I don't think they understood, like, the scale yeah, I that this takes place ago, on. Like, everyone losing their shit about, they dropped UFO info, and then no one fucking followed up on it. It all just kind of dissolved like it was a trend. It was the weirdest thing yeah. to just kind of fall off the map. I kept tracking it <laughs> for like three weeks after that, and everyone just shut up after like I think two days. The, I think the main reason why is because everyone knows, a majority, I won't say everyone, the majority of people know that the possibility of extraterrestrial life is 100% like, it is a thing. Yeah. You can't deny it. The statistics that support the expansion of our universe and all the different combinations of planets and stuff like that and shit like that, it makes it physically impossible for there to be no extraterrestrial life. Just because we won't see them in our lifetime, maybe, doesn't mean they don't exist. The argument is not, are they there? It is the argument of, have we met them? Exactly. Yes. Which, that is a whole nother topic, because that goes into, oh, what were the Egyptians painting and shit like that with hieroglyphs and stuff like that and back the in the day. And, shit. and the same thing with the Aztecs and the Mayans. Every prehistoric like civilization has these encounters ingrained in fucking like stone or painted on walls, well preserved for thousands of years ago saying these things exist. Just look at Da Vinci's painting. <laughs> I'm dead ass. Or not even that. Look at um fucking what's his name? Uh 
Nostradamus. Yeah. Who prov- people think that's alien associated. Is it Nostradamus? I've been saying Nostradamus. And, and I, think, I think it's either one. Either one is fine. It doesn't matter. The point is, <laughs> the point is, is he predicted so many different things that you yes. that that aren't even like. There's no way that he could like. Now, some of them I will admit are very like general. Like, oh, uh, this war will happen and this economy will crumble. Like, yeah, we yeah. get it, sure. But like, he also has predicted things like nine eleven. Like, people are like, yeah, but he could just generalize that. I'm like, yeah, to a point. Yeah. yeah, like the specifics that he got to, I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but it was pretty specific. It yeah. was like pretty close. So, but people think there's that there's a whole theory that aliens gave him that information from the future or a time traveler. Who knows? Time traveling is a whole different fucking oh, yeah. thing to go yeah. down. Which reminds me of KFK, <laughs> and if you know any information about the woman with the camera. Uh, yes, there was a woman with an umbrella and the camera, and she filmed the whole JFK shooting, and no one knows who she is to this day. Or the whole shit about John Teeter, which you might know about John Teeter. Yeah. Like, that was a whole... That's very a very interesting one, but it's also kind of like... It's also kind of hard to believe, but if you follow the timeline of an events that happened, it's kind of well, trippy on, to think about. On the topic of, like, shady characters and weird situations and shit... Uh, if I die before you guys, can you show up to my funeral, but, like, just stand in the different distance in suits with black umbrellas, regardless of the weather? You want us to be, like, fake and men in black? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right at the point in the ceremony, just walk up, maybe, like, act like you're wiping a tear away or something, and just drop some random, like, pendant or something into the grave with me and walk away, and just never be seen again. Just don't let anyone ever see you again. I'll just walk up to another person and, like, with a fake voice be like... Did you have any association with this dead person? <laughs> like, <"Damn." laughs> like, just get a voice changer and like build it into a mask. Like, but for real, please do that. I want my family to be confused and scared. I got you. You guys, if we're talking about funerals, please give me a Viking funeral. Like, That's what I want. Oh my god. Funeral, yeah. Please take my dead carcass. Throw it into a boat. Set that shit on fire and let me go into Lake Erie. If mm-hmm. my family tries to give me like a Catholic funeral like they did with my grandmother, they know damn well I don't want that. If they try to pull that shit, punch the priest. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I wanted to punch Jeremiah's preach. God damn them. Okay, okay. So, back to this document. This next section is labeled Assumptions. Okay. Whatever that means. Various forms of sensors that register UAP generally operate correctly and capture enough real data to allow initial assessments, but some UAP may be uh, attributable to sensor anomalies. So, obviously they're saying, yeah, our sensors can pick it up, but we don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, Or anomalies, like maybe there's like a glitch possibly here and there, but I mean, that's... You can't say every time something goes weird, it's a glitch. Exactly. True. Executive summary. The limited amount of high-quality reporting on an unidentified area phenomenon hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. The Unidentified Area Phenomenon Task Force considered a range of information on UAP described in the U.S. Military and IC Intelligence Committee reporting. 
But because the reporting lacks sufficient uh, specificity, ultimately recognize that a unique tailored reporting process was required to provide sufficient data for analysis of UAP events. So basically, this is a fucking cop-out. They're saying, if we don't know what it is, it falls under this classification that makes it seem like it's not that big of a deal, but really, they're scrambling to find info on it because they if, don't if know either. If we don't know what it is, we're not worried about it. That doesn't sound like the fucking government. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure if, a, if something that you don't know pops up in your fucking airspace and it's moving around on your radars, that's going to pose a big concern. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have like, a couple questions that need fucking answers. <laughs> so, it's so, just the Throcklians, you know? They're, they visit every summer. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just the tall whites or the fucking greys. They're just hanging out, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't trust the tall whites. I don't trust yeah, the greys. No I mean, I might get along with them, but you guys might have an issue. <laughs> I don't think the tall whites are what you think. Yeah, <laughs> Um, um, as a result, they are used, like, from what I've heard, the tall whites are used a lot for, like, for, like, racist shit. For no from reason. what, yeah, that's just people using the name. But, yeah. like, from what I think, I could be wrong about this, I think the tall whites are the ones that use the greys. Like, the greys are, like... Underlings for them. They're, yeah, they're, like, basically, like, slaves or, like, AI. So like people talk about, like, the tall whites are perfect uh life forms and they're they look like nordics yeah exactly yeah they got like people use it for like superior race shit all the fucking time for no good reason yeah so it says here as a result the uaptf concentrated its review on reports that occurred between 2004 and 2021 the majority of which are a result of this new tailored process to better capture uap events through formalized reporting so now there's an official process to report something that you think might be a serious UAP, okay. which didn't exist before 2021, I guess. Okay. Uh, most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. In a limited number of incidents, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. Which I think is another cop-out, but that's only if you're looking deep, which I tend to do when it comes to stuff like this. How can we not look deep into this shit? There are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. Our analysis of this of the data supports the construct the construct that if when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. So this is what I was talking about earlier. You get airborne clutter, mm-hmm. natural atmospheric phenomena. Okay, so is that supposed to talk about, like, like clouds and shit? I'm thinking, like, Aurora Borealis and just shit like that. So it flares, everything in between. Uh, let me see, where is it? Um, USG, or U.S. Industry Developmental Programs, Foreign Adversary Systems, and a Catch-All Other Bin. They literally have... Other bin. They literally have an other bin. I'm dead. How the fuck are you going to just have an other bin? And the thing that blows my mind is, is that's the cop-out category. It's just like, 
Well, it's not a... It didn't fall off a ship or anything like that. It ain't light refraction. Hmm. Wasn't an enemy drone. I guess you need something for we haven't figured it out. But you can't just kind of cop out on this kind of shit. Yeah. Like... So... At least have, like, subcategories to other, like, something. To make yeah. it seem like you give a shit. UAP Honestly. clearly pose a safety, a flight issue, and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. Safety concerns primarily center on aviators contending with an increasingly cluttered air domain. UAP would also represent a national security challenge if they are foreign adversary collection platforms or provide evidence a potential adversary has developed either a breakthrough or disruptive technology. Which is pretty basic. Consistent consolidation of reports from across the federal government standardized Reporting, increased collection of analysis, and streamlined process for screening all such reports against a broad range of relevant USG data will allow for a more sophisticated analysis of UAP that is likely to deepen our understanding. Some of these steps are resources in, are resource intensive and will require additional invest, uh, investment, which means it, the way that I take that is whatever goes into the other bin they're either going to try and put off revealing whatever it is for a long-ass fucking time. Yeah. Or just never bring it up until people are like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> cover up, you're just going to be like, yeah, fuck this. Uh, and if people don't care, they don't care. We don't need to cover... If we start making excuses for shit, people might pay more attention to it. If we just leave it be, sometimes people just leave it be. Like, we'll just do that. Which, honestly, is the best strategy for when you want people to ignore it. Mm -hmm. To just ignore it yourself and see what's happening otherwise. So, available reporting largely inconclusive. That's the title of the section, which doesn't sound good. Yeah, that just sounds (laughs) like we don't know what the fuck's happening, but... Or we don't want you to know what the fuck's happening, one or the other. Limited data leaves most UAP unexplained. Again, another fucking cop-out. So much shit you are ready to wrap. <laughs> just trying to absorb it all. Honestly. God. Limited data and inconsistency in reporting are key challenges to evaluating UAP. No standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March of 2019. Jeez. <laughs> right. Keep in mind, Roswell happened in like what the fucking 40s, the 50s? And that was like the event. That was the event that made so UFOs like. Doing shit from then on. Is that what they want us to think? And we're not even talking about the LA lights. Like you guys know about that, right? Yeah. Or like the shit that happened over Arizona, and like a bunch of other crazy shit. Or every redneck that's ever been asked fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Brokeback Mountain. We not talking about you. Like so, like I said, I'll, I'll reread it. No standardized reporting mechanism exists until the Navy established one in March of 2019 for UFOs or UAPs, whatever you want to call them. Let's just go with UFOs right now. Like, we get it. Like, that's what they want us to call So, like, come on. We, yeah. That just means that we've gone the last almost, I don't know, fucking 50, 60 years with all this shit happening with no standardized reporting system for it. No official way to be like, hey, this happened. I would love to think that the president is getting these reports. They're just like, we don't know what it is. It might be aliens. And the president's just sitting there like, hmm, Russia. (laughs) (laughs) So it says, the Air Force.
Congress subsequently adopted this mechan uh, that mechanism in November of 2020. So even after there was official system report this shit, it took the Air Force, the people up there, a year later to adopt the system. It's weird that this is around the same time the Space Force became a thing too, which I understand that the Space Force specifically is in charge of like satellite surveillance kind of shit. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not really, you know, actually going out fighting aliens. But keep in mind, it still is an armed force. Yeah, that's the thing that gets me. They are still. That's they actually listen. Got, because listen. we already had people doing like the satellite. Uh, this is what I'm gonna say. Before Trump got into office, he said that he was gonna reveal all this shit about like UFOs and aliens and stuff like that. He never quite did, but he did make the space force under the umbrella of armed forces for a reason. I will yeah. say that. So. I mean, because if it isn't going to be an armed force, why don't you just fucking endorse NASA at that point? Yeah. Give them so even more money. I, like, it genuinely gets me that, like, they could have just stayed a sub-force of the Air Force, and they still technically kind of are, but they're their own branch, quote-unquote, now. Uh, it's still through the Air Force, but if all they're doing is monitoring shit, then you don't need a full new division for that. It but already they, exists. But they made that. They mm -hmm. made that for a reason that seems to not need to be a reason. And that makes me wonder what the other possible reasons are that aren't in our face. You know? Yeah. Like I said, if, if they really wanted to, they could. Of course, NASA could have been like, no, you're not absorbing us. Like, we're our own whatever. But he's, they still could have had, like, a government contract where they get paid. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, that's whatever. It's a, a completely different thing. It remains limited to USU reporting. So, the <coughs> U.S. Air Force is limited to USU reporting for these claims. The UAPTF regularly heard anecdotally during its research about other observations that occurred, but which were never captured in formal or informal reporting by those observers. After carefully considering this information, the UAPTF focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators and that were collected from systems we considered to be reliable. So that's kind of good. Because that means we're getting firsthand reports of UFOs from people in the military. That's better. Yeah. I, I saw a thing a bit ago, like, about this one dude that. He was like a high-ranking military official who, I, and obviously this has happened a few times, but just generally on the same track. He was talking about it. He released info on all these different species and insisted on this like hierarchy and how we're going to become part of the galactic federate or federal like organizations and shit. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like he, he had all this shit that he was throwing out like, I know everything. And, like, I'm not saying he specifically actually knew everything, but it gets me to think that there are multiple stories about, like, this galactic federation and shit and how people are familiar with it. And, like, what, there's a lot of discrepancy, but if even, like, 1% of that is true, it's like, the fuck? See, the thing that I've always heard was, or at least from what Chaluminati, that I've, like, the most plausible Chaluminati has said it in So's last podcast on the last podcast on the left it said the same thing it seems like humans are like either we're just like we're the equivalent to like cattle to whatever alien race we they just kind of fucking tag us and do whatever the fuck they want to us whenever they feel like it or it's like 
we weren't shit to them until we found out how to split the atom and we came up with fucking atomic weapons. And yeah. then that piqued their interest. They're like, that oh. That scares me because we're recording from, like, this recording is two days after it was released that we have accomplished uh, controlled nuclear fusion for energy. Uh, mm. Two days ago, that report was released. Which means if they're interested in nuclear energy or how we handle that at all, then that is a major flag for them. Which also, what we've done recently, because they wrote a news article about it, so last year they were doing stuff with uh, China and I think CERN both have these things called artificial suns, which they are big ass machinery yes. made to excel particles rapidly to create fu- like fusion or fission. Yeah. And that shit is hot. Yeah. The, I think the hottest that they got it was equivalent to the outer surface of the sun, which is fucking hot right so they were able to do that really i thought the outer surface of the sun would be kind of like going to malibu you know you know get a little tan a little bit like lock yourself into orbit a little bit get a nice browning going you know whatever come out i i go in i come out looking like trent you know yeah yeah. yeah. as of a few weeks ago scientists well actually i'd say like a month and a half ago scientists were able to successfully well successfully unsuccessfully create a black hole in a lab and then it crumbled fucking what yes this was technology that people have predicted for the longest time that they said oh the government can just make a black hole whenever they wanted to but this is the first that we've heard people reporting about it we are able in labs to make a black hole that is be it it's a still a black hole but it's unstable so it'll form and crumble literally after like half a second. But it's like the form is there. Everything that we know about black holes, which is technically nothing because all physics goes out the door, it's there in that whatever it is that they're making it in, it exists. That's crazy. So once they lock that fucking formula down, I'm telling you, people think time travel is like super fucking impossible. Time travel in real life has nothing to do with paradoxes or anything like that. It ain't no fucking back to the future type shit. It doesn't work like that. They've experimented with quantum computers, which are completely ruled by physics. If it doesn't work in physics, then it doesn't work at all. Black holes are the exception. I mean, nothing can really say it goes entirely against physics. It's just physics isn't exactly... Yeah, but I'm saying within the rhythm of quantum reasoning, right... Within the rhythm of quantum reasoning, they ran a test on a quantum computer where they inducted a system with involving images and like numbers and stuff like that. And they'd be like, okay, let's see if we can put this one number, let's see if we can put this number nine into this specific number of, or into this specific sequence of numbers, but from the past. So let's say we do it uh, before we make that number sequence and they run it through a program and see if that nine pops up somewhere in that sequence after the fact, even though we made it before and we didn't put it in there. Let's see how that works. And it happens. They're like, okay, let's see if we can put this image into this other image before we generate the image. And there are two completely separate, like, Entities, whatever. And it, it happens. So it, theoretically... It just happens. It just works. The, whatever system that they developed, 
Theoretically, if it can work in a quantum computer, you can send a person to the past. So we're talking like Steins Gate style shit. Like, kind of. I mean, there's a, so much to it. Because, like, keep in mind, these are just, like, theories, but with quantum reasoning behind it. Alright. Um, if we could just take a moment. <laughs> this piss break is brought to you by Bear. Bear, drink your problems away. Okay, so... Time travel and shit like that aside. <laughs> After carefully considering this information, the UAPTF focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by uh, military aviators that were collected from systems we consider to be reliable. So, I, I just read that. It's basically, like I said, they're taking reports from people in the military. These reports describe incidents that occurred between 2004 and 2021, with the majority coming in the last... Two years, as the new reporting me uh, mechanism became better known to the military aviation community, we were able to identify one reported UAP with high confidence. In that case, we identified the object as a large deflation balloon. The others remain unexplained. Anytime I hear balloon, I don't trust immediately. Yeah, I know. Neither do I. Yeah, like, it's just... 144 reports originated from USG sources. Of these, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. Most reports describe UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. UAP collection challenge, or challenges. So, it says, sociocultural stigmas and sensor limitations remain obstacles to collecting data on UAP. Although there are some technical challenges, such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter to ensure safety of flight for military and civilian craft are long-standing in the aviation community, while others are unique to the UAP problem set. Narratives from av aviators in the operational community and analysis from the military and IC describe uh, disparagement associated with observing UAP, reporting it, or attempting to discuss it with colleagues, Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as, a se as senior members of scientific policy, military, and intelligence communities engage on the topic seriously in public, reputational risk may keep many observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the topic. So, that's basically just saying there may be a lot more people that experience shit, but they probably won't say anything because their reputation, blah, 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 whatever. The sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions. As a result, those sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. Basically, they're just saying their technology isn't suited for UAPs in general, or UFOs in general. I think that's another cop-out. Sensor vantage points and the numbers of sensors concurrently observing an object play substantial roles in dis distinguishing UAPs from known objects and determining whether a UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. Optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into relative size, shape, and structure. Radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. But some potential patterns do emerge. So it says, Although there was wide variability in the reports and the data set, is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis. 
This was some cl uh, clustering of UAP observations regarding shape, size, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tend, or UAP sightings also tended to cluster around U.S. training and testing grounds, but we assess that this may result from the collection bias as a result of focused attention, greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas, unit expectations, and guidance to report anomalies. I want to be more involved right now in what's being said, like, like have more of a back and forth going on, but there's just so much you're dumping here that needs to be taken in, you know? <laughs> it's a lot to process. I've, I've read over this document once fully before, and I haven't touched it since then, but it's all, like, pouring back from when I first read it. It's, like, some of it is kind of, like, it's... A lot of it's a lot of buzzwords to get people to be like, oh, yes, okay, okay, I understand. But yeah. when you kind of look into, like, the sections that matter, it's like, yeah, but the it just raises more questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of statements here that seem to disregard or throw stuff under the rug. Mm -hmm. And a handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology. And they just say that, they made that the title of this next session, and it's like, they kind of like make it like nonchalant. A handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology. This feels like going on a date with someone and being like, them being like, hey, yeah, I'm a Sagittarius. I murder people on the weekends. <laughs> I like ramen. Like just throwing it in, in the middle and just making it seem like it's casual. Like it's not though. Don't come for me like that. <laughs> in 18 incidents described in 21 reports, Observers reported unusual UAP movement patterns or flight characteristics. Some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion in a small number of cases. Military aircraft systems process radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. UAPTF holds a small amount of data that appear to show UAP demonstrating acceleration or a degree of signature management. Additional rigorous analysis are necessary by multiple teams or groups of technical experts to determine the nature and validity of this of this data. So, so that being assumed to be true, the, that they are accelerating, that would mean that they have to have, at the very least, some sort of fuel source or way of actually like, adding energy as they go. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, a meteor was accelerating. I mean, that has the gravity pulling it down, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Like, at a certain point, like, a meteor by the time it comes into the air, it would be a terminal velocity. The fact that something is, like, speeding up as it's going along the horizon is just fucking ridiculous, mm -hmm. unless it's a, a craft of some sort. Yeah. The The funniest thing to me is at the very end of this, it says we are, cur or we are conducting further analysis to determine if breakthrough technologies were demonstrated. If you are saying that something is like propulsing itself and you can't discern where the propulsion is coming from it's already a technology that you don't understand yeah that's just by default because it has to be a technology to be accelerating and you don't fucking get it you made it clear you don't fucking get it so like i don't think a rock is gonna come in i don't think a meteor or a tiny pebble is gonna come into our airspace slow down, and then speed up again out of nowhere. That'd be an awesome superpower. <laughs> throw a rock and have it, like, halfway out its way to the target, pick up speed. That's just well-controlled telekinesis. For real, yes. 
or really poorly controlled telekinesis, but that's the <laughs> only way you know how to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. Like, I can't really move shit on my own, but if, if it's already got momentum, I could start giving a bit of a push halfway there. Like, that I feel like would be a sweet character idea, like, for, like, someone that's just learning how to use their telekinesis being a superpower, like, being a superhero. Yeah. I mean, this is way off track, but, like, yeah. Yeah, I understand. So, my favorite bit is coming up here. So, it says, UAP, UAP probably lack a single explanation. The UAP documented in this limited data set demonstrate an array of aerial behaviors, reinforcing the possibility that there are multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations. Duh. Our analysis of the data supports the question. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, obviously. No, I, I agree. Don't get me wrong there. The analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential categories, which we already talked about, airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all other bin. With the exception of the one instance, we're determined with high confidence that the reported UAP was airborne clutter, specifically a deflating balloon. We currently lack sufficient information in our data set to attribute incidents to specific explanations. So then it says, well, then it breaks down what specifically the five categories are. So you get airborne clutter. These objects include birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, so drones, or airborne debris like plastic bags that muddle a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets such as enemy aircraft. Then you have natural atmospheric phenomenon. Natural atmosphere phenomenon includes ice crystals, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. And the Elementians, the alien species <laughs> that came to Earth controlling Earth, water, fire, and air. But only the Avatar. <laughs> USG or, indu- or industry developmental programs. Some UAP observations could be attributable to developments in classified programs by U.S. entities. We are unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. So they basically said that we could throw UAPs in this category, but as far as we're concerned, none of these attribute to the, U- the UFOs that we've collected so far. So it's basically just a big fucking nothing sandwich for that category. Yeah. <laughs> Foreign adversary systems. Some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation, or non-governmental entities. Other. God, I love other. (laughs) Other. Although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collect processing or analysis, we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. We would group such objects in this category <coughs> pending scientific advances that allowed us to better understand them. The UAPTF intends to focus additional analysis on the smaller number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. So basically, they didn't, they didn't really tell you a whole lot of what falls under other. They just said, other is this category. And this is what we're going to do to research it. It's just like, 
other is other. What do you fucking want from us? Yeah. Like, that's pretty much what they said. Big, uh, another, in my opinion, another big cop-out. Yeah. <laughs> this thing seems full of, like, moments where it's just like, yeah, and we'll just keep that aside. And uh, moving on to this, <laughs> which uh, we'll just take us a little bit of that. You know, the part that doesn't make sense or, you know, we don't get like, that over there, too. Yeah. You know, let's just... <laughs> let's throw these big buzzwords at them that we, they're definitely going to be paying attention to. That, that feels like, like that skit um, from Family Guy where Lois is running for, like, mayor, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly what she says, but she just steps out on the stage, and she's just like, America! Everyone cheers, and that's that. (laughs) So... Uh, No, no, it was 9-11. That's what she kept... She was just like, 9-11. Yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna try and finish, like, this page. Or maybe the next one. Yeah. Because... Yeah, because we're coming up to the end of it anyway. So... It says, UAP threatened flight safety and possible national security, obviously. UAP posed a hazard safety of flight and could pose a broader danger if some instances rep- represent sophisticated collection against U.S. military activities by a foreign government or demonstrate a breakthrough uh, aerospace technology by a potential adversary. I.E. fucking extraterrestrials. <laughs> there you go. Honestly. Fucking alien. They tried to blanket it as soft as they could. Yeah. No, for real. Um. And at the end of the document, where they know most people aren't reading to. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, where in this document did you start reading? Page, like, technically page one. It was technically page two. Page one is just the title of the document. This dude has gone through the entire document. I'm there, for it. There, I'm for it. I'm only gonna read, like, one or two more pages, and there's still, like... Two or three more pages after that. Okay. So, so if you want the thrilling conclusion, look it up yourself. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> so, ongoing aerospace concerns. When aviators encounter safety hazards, they are required to report these concerns, depending on the location, volume, and behavior of hazards during incursions on ranges. Pilots may cease their tests and or training and land their aircraft, which has been a deterrent affecting on reporting. The UAPTF has 11 reports of documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with a UAP. So just like almost hitting it. Almost colliding with one. Most of these wow. circumstances, the pilots were like, it was aliens. And the government's like, no, it wasn't. You know? No, it's more like it was aliens. And they're like, are you sure? Wink, wink, wink. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> that one really dense pilot. Yeah. Sure, why are you winking at me? Like, yeah. This was aliens. I'm telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Potential national security challenges. We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technolog- uh, technological advancement by a potential adversary. We continue to monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they would pose particularly as some UAP have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the USG's most advanced sensor systems. Explaining UAP will require uh, analytic collection and resource investment, standardize the reporting, consolidate the data, and deepen the analysis. In line with the provisions of Senate Report 116-233, accompanying the IAA for FY2020, so I'm pretty sure that's just fiscal year 2021. Um, 
the UAPTF's long-term goal is to widen the scope of its work to include additional UAP events documented by a broader swath of USG personnel and uh, technical systems in its analysis. As the data set increases, the UAPTF abilities uh, to employ data analytics to detect trends will also improve. So basically, you're saying report more and we can weed through the shit faster. The initial focus will be to employ artificial intelligence slash machine learning algorithms to cluster the rec- uh, cluster and recognize really sci-fi really fucking fast right to cluster and recognize similarities and patterns and features of the data points as the database accumulates information from known aerial objects such as weather balloons high altitude or super pressure balloons and wildlife machine learning could add efficiency by pre-assessing UAP reports to see if those records match similar events already in the database. All in all, that sounds cool, but I think it's another cop-out. Yeah. yeah. Because an AI could easily just misread something, throw it into another category, and it'll just get swept into the rug and never looked at. Yeah, yeah. so it's basically just saying, hey, because, I mean, how's an AI going to be like, this one classifies as aliens? No, they're just going to be like, if, if you don't quite get it, make the closest approximation you can. And that's just going to get rid of it information, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get where you're coming from with the cop out there. Yep. The UAPTF has begun to develop uh, interagency and analytical and processing workflows to ensure both collection and analysis will be well-informed and coordinated. The majority of UAP data is from U.S. Navy reporting, but efforts are underway to standardize incident reporting across U.S. military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidents and any U.S. activities that might be relevant. The UAPTF is currently working to acquire additional reporting, including from the U.S. Air Force, and has begun receiving data from the Federal Aviation Administration, so the FAA. Or the FAA. Although USAF data collection has been limited historically to the USAF, began a six-month pilot program in November 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating how to normalize future collection, reporting, and analysis across the entire Air Force, which they should have already done anyway because the Air Force is going to be the most likely to deal with UFOs anyway. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. The FAA captures data related to UAP during the normal course of managing air traffic operations the FAA generally ingests the data when pilots and other airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. Yes. That is a very odd choice of word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In addition, the FAA continuously monitors its systems for anomalies, generating additional information that may be of the use to the UAPTF. The FAA is able to isolate data of interest to the UAPTF and make it available. The FAA has a robust and effective outreach program that can help the UAPTF reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting UAP. So basically, this last few like columns or sections is all about basically buffing up the Air Force to try and report shit more. I don't know, maybe like the subdivisions dedicated to space, uh, their own independent... <laughs> Um, branch of the military, aka, maybe call it something like the Space Force. The ironic thing is, is this document has it says not a word about the Space Force. I believe it. Was this pre Space Force? 
I could, well, it came out in 2021. Trump ended in 2020. So, no, this one's after the This is after the Space Force. Yeah. Well, it came out in 2021, or it was, like, written? It came out in 2021, this this, document. So this might have been written before. It could have been. Who knows how long they were planning. It should say at the top when it was originally, like, submitted. I'll relook at it again once I finish this, because we're on the last sentence. I'm pretty sure it said March 2019. Oh, really? Yeah. So it says, the UAPTF is looking for novel ways to increase collection of UAP clusters areas where US are uh, where US forces are not present as a way to baseline standard UAP activity and mitigate the collection bias in the data set. One proposal is to use advanced algorithms to search historical data captured and stored by radars. The UAPTF also plans to update its current integrity uh, <coughs> UAP collection strategy in order to bring to bear relevant collection platforms and methods from the DOD and the IC. The UAPTF has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further the future study of the topics laid out in this report. Such investments should be guided by a UAP collection strategy, UAP R&D technological roadmap, and a UAP program plan. And that's how it ends. So They're saying basically give us money and we'll do more. So to sum it up... Um... When you don't study for the exam, but you gotta have two thousand words in your report, that's like there is a lot of beating around the bush here. Yeah, and it says preliminary assessment unidentified aerial phenomena. This is page one, June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. Okay. Okay, so this so is after space twenty twenty one. Jeez. All right, so Ed, it's your turn. Okay, I got. Pulling out my little cue cards here, feeling like I got a little dick after all that shit. Like, <laughs> Man. <damn>. Bro. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to, I'm going over the Monroe Institute, specifically the military documents in line with the Monroe takes. And I was just going to do a general overview on what all this is. Um, first things first, we're going to start with these are documents that were released during the Cold War, this was a major area for trying to find new ways that we can gather intelligence, stuff like that. And ultimately, this is one of the documents that was released in a lump sum with a lot of others when talking about um, Project Stargate. And another one that was released around the same time that got a lot more traction was MK Ultra. So this kind of went under the rug underneath MK Ultra because everyone was like, holy shit, they're giving people acid and mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah. Like they weren't focused on this. Uh, but this is going to start back with Robert Monroe. Robert Monroe was a radio broadcast uh, executive uh, in the 1950s, and he ran a station that was a general entertainment station, my understanding, that ran, you know, usual radio shows back then. Yeah. I don't know if it was, like, dramas or news or what have you, but he was an executive, so he probably had his fingers in a few different things over a couple stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was extremely interested, however, in uh, how different noises could affect the human body for things such as healing, uh, accelerated learning, how it could affect the human mind, and spent his time while still being in charge of this uh, this organization. The one that he had founded was Ram Enterprises. Uh, while in charge of Ram Enterprises, he was studying on his own 
how different sound waves affected things. And I do have a that's a question that I was going to ask before you said that was I'm assuming when he said sounds he means like frequencies that like you maybe yeah, you yes, can't specifically hear but yes, yes okay. different frequencies and a lot of frequencies including ones that land outside of normal field of hearing kind of things. Um, what he was working with, I don't know if this came in before or after um, the next major event I'm going to mention, but since you asked, um, binaural beats. Ooh, yep. Binaural beats are specifically when, because the brain naturally tries to synchronize frequency by which you are listening. So if you're listening to something that is at so many hertz, then that's what your brain will synchronize to. But your brain can't synchronize to something it can't hear. So if it's like 4 hertz, which would be the area for the theta brainwave, because it's... No, no, that's the... That's the delta, I think. Or gamma. Um, I'm trying to remember, because it's alpha, beta, delta, theta. Alpha, beta, gamma, theta, delta. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's delta brainwaves, uh, unless I'm fucking up here, and it's theta. But it would be like 4 hertz. We can't hear that. So what we would do instead is play two frequencies that we can hear, like 210 hertz in one ear and like 214 hertz in the other or something like that. Basically, we would hear the difference between the two, and that's what our brain would process. That's what a binaural beat is. Mm -hmm. And this was with the goal to create hemisync, which is a process by which you get both hemispheres of the brain to synchronize to the same frequency. Now, apparently, he was trying to use his experiment, and apparently experimenting on himself to see how it affected him, um, to see how it affects the human mind and body. What he ended up doing was, one night, he ended up getting feelings of vibrations, a lot of, like, weird pressure, and he found himself extruding from his own body, and ended up helping to popularize the term out-of-body experience after this. Um, After this point, uh, where he had an out-of-body experience while experimenting on this, he relabeled Ram Enterprises into the Monroe Institute, where pretty much the entire goal was experimentation on these things. Um, This was in 1958 that he relabeled it into you know, the Monroe Institute, uh, and it completely overtook, it was his new focus, um, and it, it was just everything for him, basically, at that point. He had thrown himself into it after this out-of-body experience, because obviously you're going to want to learn more about it once you've traveled, human consciousness has traveled outside of your body. Right. Also, I want to say, too, before anyone goes, oh, he just experimented with sound, keep in mind, this is an important time where, like, this this is like someone who they made their whole like study about this. This is before sound engineers. So something like binaural beats back then is like it's like whoa, like it's groundbreaking almost. Yeah, it was the idea that hemisync or hemisync would help you to move on. Now, if you don't know about the different hemispheres of the brain all too much, the main thing that most people understand, though there's a lot more into it, is that one half is the emotional. One half is the analytical. And it's interesting to see if you look up videos online of people who are taking tests or being shown things. Now, each hemisphere connects to a different eye. So if your hemispheres get divided, you'll only be able to see out of one eye. But the other eye will still be able to see, 
and that half of the body will still respond, but you won't be aware of what's happening on that side. So there's essentially a secondary silent consciousness that is acting on your behalf. So synchronizing between the two, now this isn't something that was touched on in my research, but just something that I've seen from watching those videos, what have you. I would imagine synchronizing your thoughts between those two individual consciousnesses that live within your head Very would have some funky effects. Yeah. You know, you could imagine that getting them on the same pace with each other could be in some way an enlightening experience, quote unquote. That's why the binaural beats is crazy, because it does that for you. Yeah, basically. It locks in that rhythm that they both need to cooperate with each other. And yes, and from there, the Monroe Institute developed a series of tapes which, if you look up now, if you buy them, they're over a thousand bucks. Which is why I started listening to them uh, illegally. And that's, <laughs> you know, I'm broke. But, you know, which my experience with it was interesting, to say the very least. I only got through, like, the first two tapes. But it's a lot of calming noises, breathing exercises, color breathing, imagining certain colors and constructs. And it always starts with you... Stepping in, like, imagining yourself stepping up to a large chest and putting all of your doubts, your concerns, all of that stuff into the chest beforehand to lock them away so you can be at peace when you start the exercise. Um, it's a very interesting experience. I'd recommend anyone to illegally do it. I'm not going <laughs> to you spend this money. No, I'm, honestly. Um, the, for real. The crazy thing to me is this sounds like the most, like, spiritually like, vested thing that the government has ever declassified. Yeah, and that's the weird thing. Right now, so far, all I've gone over is the Monroe Institute, which was a private organization at the mm -hmm. time. The weird part comes in in 1983, when a paper is was submitted to the U.S. Army and was declassified with all the Stargate stuff. It was, like, supposedly, it seems like, well, not supposedly, it seems as though it was a army experiment, but, like, the CIA and other organizations had their fingers in it the whole time. You know how a lot of these things go. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was Lieutenant Colonel Wayne M. McDonnell, which I'm going to just refer to as Mackie D from here on in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because every time I heard it, I heard McDonald's anyway. <laughs> um, so Mackie D uh, went through, he, he put this up, and he made... A huge case in this document, this is the document I was actually originally speaking of, about trying to make it sound as though it was as scientific as possible to pull away from the spiritualist side of it. And he went into uh, biochemistry. He tried to explain stuff with uh, theoretical physics, quantum mechanics, um, Newtonian physics. He tried to go into a lot of different things to make this as reputable as possible when he submitted it. They had gone through a lot of experiments um, trying to get people to appropriately be able to, you know, astral project. Because mm -hmm. that was the end goal of this. Ultimately, going through these tapes, the tapes are basically a boot camp for your brain to get into the state of mind where it can astral project. And this hemisync, uh, apparently after going through the tapes for a while, you're capable of doing it more regularly mm -hmm. back uh before from what they from what the documents say uh the only people who could regularly have hemisync instead of having it in a short burst but for long periods at will were monks that had gone through years and years of meditative training to focus their brains yeah and so 
is basically a series of tapes that are supposed to push you to that point of spiritual enlightenment. Without ever saying it's spiritual, but that's the point. It's like one of those, like, eight-week college courses that you cram everything in. I'm pretty sure there are eight tapes. Yeah. You do then, like, switch maybe, like, once you get the hang of it, but usually it's, like, maybe after a week or so you'll get the hang of it. I guess that's where, I guess that's where they came up with the concept of eight-week cram courses for college. Okay, I'd rather like... have eight weeks than 13 reasons why, okay? <laughs> um, um, now, these documents, after going into all of this stuff regarding, yeah, they're, they're talking about, like, quantum physics and this and that. I went over all that a second ago. This runs into, this is all grounded in the theory that the universe is a hologram. Yeah. That Ooh, simulation theory. uh, Basically. (laughs) It's not quite, because when you hear simulation theory, we're in a computer somewhere. This is more just saying that that's just the way things are. It's not that we're in a simulation. It's just the the universe happens to be a hologram. Specifically, that there is a material core to all atoms, but they're all surrounded by electrons, and the energy and light and everything that composes the universe leaves an imprint on the universe that is a structured imprint both through time and sometimes we are imprinted on from other dimensions. We're basically just like, if particles refracted light, we're just like what's left over like as the afterimage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically the idea. Everything is an afterimage to the natural flow of the universe. It kind of makes sense, honestly. Yeah, I'm not going to say, like, I mean, you know, Phil Cipher, the universe is a hologram, you know, mm-hmm. by goes by. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the belief, especially considering, uh, we've all seen quantum mechanics and how the perception of something, especially recently with the fact that, uh, I don't know if, like, who knows this, but how recently they disproved local reality and quantum mechanics. Yeah. Um, and that is a big fucking thing, because that means that quantum mechanics don't exactly follow the rules we thought they did, and that we need to redefine what it is to be real on a quantum scale, mm-hmm. um, which is fucking crazy. But the very idea that the perception of a molecule, an animal, whatever, that something on the quantum scale uh, has an impact on its state, it comes into this in that the universe being a hologram our perception heavily impacts, impacts the world around us. And this is kind of to tie up in a bow how psychic activity works in general. Um, human perception, how our brains are functioning, whether or not we have control over how our brains are functioning to be able to impact the universe around us as a whole. Um, what they thought was happening um, specifically was... If we could get our brainwaves, and what I was thinking it would be was, like, get your brainwaves down into that, like, delta, theta, mm-hmm. like, whatever, where it's, you know, as calm as possible to try to, you know, put you, like, you'd be able to be closer to a dreaming state of mind, because there's this idea that dreams are, like, a connection to other worlds as well. That's what I was expecting. It seems that, no, it tries to get you to have your brainwaves in the opposite direction, so they are spiking ridiculously because they're trying to have your brainwaves be condensed and as active as possible mm-hmm. so that they break the Planck distance. You know what the Planck distance is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the shortest possible distance for listeners that we can measure. Because if your brainwaves bl- break that distance, the idea was that your consciousness would drop momentarily into this sub state of being where you would exist outside of space and time. 
And by doing so, your consciousness would be capable of leaving the spatial confines of your body and the time in which it's bound to as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, now, this had run... Obviously, there were a lot of experiments. You said before you had heard something about this, a guy astral projecting to see something. You want to... Yeah. Well, all it was was like... So, this was back when, obviously, the, the government was... They thought uh, as at, of astral projection as a, a means to get a leg up on, like... The you Soviets. Know, on the Soviets, yes. Yeah. This is during the Cold War. This is peak, like, tension era during the Cold War. And they did everything from drugging people to try and make them fucking... Pretty much everything in Project Stargate. Like, yes. But, and I was thinking of doing Stargate. Stargate but... and MKUltra. Anything you could think of from that period of time, I, just throw it in there. I thought MKUltra was part of Stargate. It, that's what I'm saying. Well, it, but it's also its own thing because it stems into different shit that other people were yeah, going, like, going crazy about. But, it's... but yeah, so they, they had... I can't remember what it was specifically, but they had a soldier try and astral project and give them locale of, they said, Russia. They mm-hmm. said, give us a locale of someplace in Russia. And I don't even think they said that. They just said, yeah, they just said, no, yeah, that's what they said. They said, give us a, a locale of someplace that you would think uh, the Soviets would be up to something. And he identified some building that had like, it looked like it was being built and there was a crane sitting on top of it mm-hmm. and it was aimed in like a certain direction. And he, that's what he described from his astral projection and the government looked into it. And sure enough, after scanning and looking over certain areas in Russia, they found something that lined up to be almost exactly what he, he described. It seems like a very vague thing. Like a building. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, but they also made it seem like a bigger deal than it was. So it could be the military downplaying it. It could just be vague. Who knows? But it's important to state, though, that the government at one point in time did take astral projection as a serious means to get a leg up on the Soviets. Yeah, yeah. That is, so that yeah, was this entire experiment, and that's it's crazy how much because this is a full document. I, I yeah. don't remember if I said the full proper name before an analysis and assessment of gateway process. Yeah, being mm-hmm. the gateway process, you know Monroe's gateway process. Um, as it is, the story I'm thinking of, apparently this was disbanded because it was not consistent enough, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, from what I understand, which you know could just be total bullshit and they're still doing it to this day. I've talked to a few people who have quote-unquote astral projected, and none of them are reliable people, but almost all of them say, yeah, they're government agents in the astral plane, which is fucky when everyone you talk to who says that just agree on that topic. I'll yeah. Know, like, I will say... The government may not find it reliable, but it wouldn't surprise me if there were like, let's just keep these three guys that are like yeah. projecting for you know the next yeah, ten well, just, years. I mean, what is it? It's, it's because basically just give them the conditions of like I've, prisoners with better food, be like to stay here and do this all day. I've yeah. always heard the theory that if you astral project and you try to like project yourself in or near like a government facility, like Area Fifty One is the big one. Yeah. In the astral plane, there will be government agents, like, waiting for you or on security. And I'm like, I've always heard that. Yeah, me too. Like, that's It's what I always been about. something like, I've heard. And it's the weirdest thing, because I'll talk to spiritualists, and it'll be, like, someone who's completely not involved in the political stuff or the alien stuff. Or and they'll tell that. you. And they always you. just kind of passively as a side thing. They're like, yes, I was, 
I've seen the beginning of the universe. I've seen spirits and demons. And you're like, oh, really? Have you ever tried to go to Area 51? They're just like, I, not again. Not after the shit that happened last time mm-hmm. with the government. And you're just like, you're not a the government kind of person, the fuck? Yeah, we are reaching almost now at a half, and I do have to end it shortly. So, do anybody have any last words? I do want to finish this up real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead and wrap this up, and then we'll... Um, now, what I wanted to say... Oh, my God. Um, I wanted to bring up two things last and foremost. Um, one was apparently one time they had given the specific spatial coordinates for people to, in a certain year, go and view. Now, the year was, like, years and years in the future, and they told them to go view it. They went, they astro-projected, and they all came back saying the same thing, explaining Red Rock, what have you. And the fact is that that was, unbeknownst to the people astro-projecting, the exact location Mars would be in, in that year that they gave them. So it was very weird to see that come back. Yeah, very that's weird. right. Yes. Um, and as well, there's one thing is that this document by McDonald, uh, you know, uh, by Ronnie D, he was... Page 25 in the document isn't there. It's missing. And the government says they never got it from him, whereas a bunch of other people realize, like, there's just missing information here that feels like it should go deeper into stuff. There are a few theories on this. One of the theories is that the document is, you know, just it was just left out to get people to ask questions so mm-hmm. that people would try it for themselves to find out what's happening. Yeah. You know, just as a red herring to get people more interested. Mm-hmm. Other people think that the government is hiding and covering up the document because it has the information necessary to easily make this accessible to the public. And they don't fucking want that. And the third theory is that McDonald did leave it out, but he did write it up. Mm-hmm. So that the only people who are capable of seeing page 25 are the ones that successfully astro project, go back in time, and view it for themselves. See, I believe that theory. <laughs> like, yeah. that is the most interesting of the possibilities there. Because that is... Th- that leads to... That sounds like a movie plot. Like, yeah, you honestly. You need to learn the astral projection so you can go back and view page 25 for yourself. Only to find out at that point in the movie that that was the plan all along. Yeah. And that it has information specifically for you, said yes. by name. Like, that shit would be wild. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I'd totally watch that shit. <laughs> Me too. Alright, signing off. Any last words? No, I think that I've covered what I ultimately need to. Any questions regarding the experiments or how this stuff works or anything? Nope. Uh, I've heard it before. You help refresh some things that I've forgot about it so that definitely i mean i guess i could ask the same anything about what i said because oh my god there's yeah i think i covered the base of at least that document very well i mean yeah, yeah, I, I, really I somehow did. got through all of it but it's like all of this is very sketchy like yeah they're giving us quote-unquote answers but it doesn't really tell us anything they didn't right. really declassify anything they just said what they were going to do about what's yeah, what happens in the future yeah, I could probably go more into my own personal ideas and theories regarding this because, again, I've personally tried the tapes, uh, at least through the first few bits. I've thought about the different ways that brainwaves are effective on sleep, how uh, sleep perception is another whole thing that might tie into this, and perception of reality through quantum mechanics 
all of this stuff ties back into a lot of other shit that I've looked into. But I think as for this alone, we're good. And if anyone has any questions regarding that, then anyone in the audience is welcome to ask those questions. And we can try to do maybe a Q&A later down the road yeah. about stuff like this if anything's left, you know, up in the wind. Yeah, I, I agree. So, I, I mean, I guess... Maybe when we do, like, the Dreams mini-sode, we can yeah. go over that and then cut off with a Q&A for the second. Oh, yeah, that'll, yeah definitely. That'll, be good. that'll be good. Yeah. So, because the Dreams one is going to be pretty short. Yeah. But, um, or if anyone wants to know about uh, the Dream Theory, I guess connecting to that, we can make that a different episode or whatever, or connect it, whatever. Because that's a whole nother thing that snowballs into whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. If you're going to take anything from this episode... Uh, don't trust the government. Honestly. <laughs> don't trust the government at all. <laughs> and ask your own questions. Don't be sheep. Exactly. Hello, everybody. Ed speaking. If you would like to hear more from us, then check out Weebs in the Hood. It's a podcast that Josh does with some friends of his. If you like anime, uh, how it affects culture, pop culture in general, then you'll probably enjoy listening to what these guys have to say. Uh, if you want to find more of me, then I'm currently working on a few different projects and in touch with a few people about a few different things. You can find me on whatever radio on YouTube. Currently, all that's really up on there is a teaser for one of my projects, Meta Digital, which is a audio fiction in a world where someone discovers that they live in a simulation and that witchcraft is hacking into that, basically cheat codes. Uh, other than that, all music and sound effects has gotten through open source. We would like to do better than that in the future, but this is currently an independent project between three friends that are all just kind of fucked up in the head. If you want to hear more of that though, then please tune in next time. Uh, we're trying to upload bi-weekly and we'll see where this goes from there. Thank you very much for listening and show your support in whatever way you feel is appropriate. Bye.